Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to Super Spreading Bitcoin 2022 this week in Bitcoin. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about Miami. We're going to talk about 20 Bitcoin 2022 and Bitcoin Magazine. Today is November the 19th, 2021. Strong hand, long-term thinking. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. I am offended by selling one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Don't FOMO on altcoins. And Bitcoin always returns to its all-time high. Yeah, you fiat freaks. If you haven't been in this game very long, you might not know that you know Bitcoin had its all-time high on November 10th, I think. It will return because it always returns to its all-time high. And I can't even believe there are weak hands out there that are sad that it's in the 50,000s. My Lord, what kind of spoiled brat world? we're living in where people are complaining that's in the 50 freaking thousands all right hello my elite friends if you have questions i have answers through the super chat uh we're going to talk about bitcoin magazine the 2022 bitcoin 2022 event is april 6th and 9th they're they're helping put this show on so check out the links below the meister discount code is below adam 10 will get you in there we'll be there in April, some of these guys will be there. Maybe all of us will be there. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But I bring you the best guests in the space on this big, on this this week in Bitcoin, super spreading Bitcoin twenty twenty two show. And uh, this week, Joe Saz has returned, and it's great to see him. We got Chris is in the house also. Chris, it's how do you pronounce your last name, Chris? Alamo is the Alemo. name. Alamo. Oh, yep. And uh, David Zell is uh, making his debut on this show, and he's going to talk about Bitcoin lobbying. All, all you people who love to FUD about Bitcoin and say the politicians are going to ruin it and the, the, all these bills, and the bills are terrible. You know, the, 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 the regulations that these uh, old people want to put on the big, they don't understand it. It's all virtue signaling. Freaking David Zell is fighting this stuff, though. And he's going to tell us how to fight this stuff, as I know some of you want to like the fight. Um, and, uh, but before that I do have, you know, I talk about everyone being in motion and I, I only bring in people that are in motion and who are happy about this world and want to just do something, not just sit there and pick their noses. So, I mean, Chris here, I was on his show recently and, uh, you know, he wanted to get deeper. He's got a podcast. He'll talk about it, but he wanted to get deeper into the space. He wanted to get some more freedom from his regular, you know, normie job. And he had a great normie job and everything. He's a real smart guy. And now he he went out there. He w somehow got in touch with Bitcoin Magazine. And bam, just like that, it's announced today that Chris is going to be working for Bitcoin Magazine. So congratulations, Chris. Thank you. Re really, man. You People ask me, I mean, we got all these people down that say this is a terrible time to be alive. This is a golden age, man. You just all of a sudden switch professions just like that. Just yeah. like that. So, I mean, I, I, what are you going to be doing there? Or do you, can you say? Can you? Yeah, say? no, I, I can. Uh, so, CK kind of broke the news on your uh, on your tweet of saying, you know, two people are going to be working at Bitcoin Magazine. And I know I met David at the TAB conference a few weeks ago. And Dave's like, well, I don't know if it's Adam, Joe, or Chris. But, uh, yeah, the news is out there. I'm going to be working as the project manager for the Twitch streams in particular. So, working on the Twitch platform. So, kind of expanding our reach there. And I believe Welcome you're – Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Dave. And I believe your old job was like 
it didn't have anything to do with that, right? That type of stuff, did it? Uh, yeah, so I, I work as an engineer in my fiat world. Uh, okay. So I was working in the uh, waste energy field. So we create energy off of the garbage that we produce or uh, that people produce. Uh, we were actually in the process of setting up Bitcoin miners at one of our facilities in upstate New York. Uh, so yeah, that, that's an exciting project that we're looking to try and do to try and get better yields from the electricity that we produce. Okay. Very diverse background you have here. Yes. This is great stuff. All right. So let's go to the guy who, who's been working at a uh, Bitcoin magazine and that's, that's David Zell, who I'm, I'm very excited to have uh, to make his debut. Um, I've never spoken to him in, in person like this before we've emailed and everything. And so I just want to lay it out. I want to lay it out there for everybody. What, what's going on here. Um, we, we had this infrastructure bill just completely wasteful. And when we have huge bills like this, our sociopathic politicians, they try to stay, try to hide unrelated things in these bills, try to twist, twist things that have nothing to do with the, the, the main uh, flow of the bill into the bill. And it, it's just the, the lying and cheating and the, the, they're scum. And Ted Cruz is uh, trying to, to give the cryptocurrencies the big bird, apparently, you know, the, the middle finger, and trying to get the the craziness out of Biden's infrastructure bill in terms of cryptocurrency. I, I don't know if he, he can do this. Um, I, I'm glad that Ted Cruz is uh, taking an interest in Bitcoin. We, we, we can talk about that or in cryptocurrency or whatever. But 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 the but the point is is that it appears there's gonna need to be some Bitcoin lobbying. Um, going on or cryptocurrency lobbying, whatever you want to call it, some strategies that are out there. And it kind of sickens me that we live in a, in a world where the government has, it's just so ignorant and there, there, there has to be lobbyists for everything. So I, I just want to hear from David, you, you, I've been, people told me, and that's why I got you on the show. You've got insider information on this. And everyone knows that here in the Bitcoin Meister channel, this is your home of freaking insider information. So tell us what is going on here. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, nice to meet you. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, really excited to get into all of this. Whew. So, well, like you said, uh, we have a funny political system where whenever you have a bill that is considered must pass, meaning that, you know, you got to pass it. Everybody uses that <clears throat> as an opportunity to put every little thing that they want to see uh, happen in that bill. And it's got to pass. And that makes amending it and fixing it tough. And so you're right to point out on the outset that it is ridiculous to try to legislate and regulate cryptocurrency policy in a multi-thousand page infrastructure bill. But unfortunately, it's just how the sausage gets made a lot of the time. And so to make sure everybody's on the same page, there are really three big problems with the infrastructure bill as it pertains to taxes and, or as it pertains to, to crypto. And one of the things I want to start off with is, you know, there's this, this, this idea that if you're upset with the way this stuff is worded, then the only logical explanation is that you're just some crazy person who refuses to pay taxes. And what you're upset about is that you may have to pay taxes on your gains. That's not what people are upset about. I think most Bitcoiners in the United States are law-abiding citizens who are more than happy to pay their taxes, all right? That's the law. Uh, and there's ways to change laws, but for now, you pay taxes on things. That's not what the problem was. So there were three big problems with the infrastructure bill. 
The first is the one that kind of everybody talked about, that a lot of people know about, right? This was this definition of a broker, where they said that a broker, as it pertains to cryptocurrencies or digital assets, was any person for who, for consideration, is responsible for regularly providing any service, effectuating transactions of digital assets on behalf of another person. So that's a mouthful. But essentially, that definition of a broker doesn't really make sense in a decentralized world. It doesn't make sense with Bitcoin. And the reason why is that we don't have a trusted middleman. That's the entire point of the protocol, is that this is peer-to-peer uh, uh, -peer without the need for a trusted third party. And so defining a broker this broadly uh, means that miners could be responsible for filing tax forms on the process or on the transactions that they validate, that developers could be responsible for filing tax reforms. And it's impossible. So it's, it's not that the Bitcoin community uh, and the few politicians who have sort of taken our side on this uh, are just, you know, up in arms about the notion that they're going to pay taxes. It's that this is an unworkable definition of broker that makes it a felony uh, to unless you do things that you literally cannot do. So that's kind of the first big problem. The second problem is a little less specific to Bitcoin. I'll touch on it, but is the definition of a digital asset. They said that a, a digital asset is any digital representation of value that's recorded on a cryptographically secured and distributed ledger or similar technology as the secretary gets to define. And not as big as not as big of a deal for us, because, uh, I mean, you know, we pretty much agree Bitcoin is a digital asset. Uh, but I think some of the more blockchain folks had had issues with that. That's not where really my interest or concern lie. And then the bigger problem uh, is this 6050i provision that um, really flew under a lot of people's radars. And you got to give a shout out to uh, a guy named Abraham Sutherland. He's a law professor, I believe, at UVA. Uh, and he he's the one who personally brought this to my attention and did a lot of work kind of getting people to realize, oh, gosh, there's a second provision in this infrastructure bill that's also really bad. So... This 6050i provision, uh, and it's funny because it initially uh, was passed in 1984, and I think that is more than a coincidence. Uh, it, it, it's, it's nonsense, right? This law was written in 1984 to try to combat money laundering. And uh, to do that, this law says that if you are going to pay a business or you know, engage in some sort of commercial transaction, you're going to pay somebody in cash to do that. If the dollar value of that payment exceeds $10,000, then you need to get their ID and their uh, uh, social security number, regardless of you know, how long you plan on holding that cash or what you're going to do with it. So a couple things to remember here. Uh, in 1984, we, we all know about inflation. In 1984, $10,000 was the equivalent of like 65. I did the math right before I came on. It's like 65, $67,000 today and can I, can, I, can I say something about that in 1984 with ten thousand dollars you could get two freaking yugos okay you could get two call pound that like but all right continue sorry yeah so uh and look uh i think broadly well let me i'll, I'll finish kind of explaining the point here so so this law is basically saying look you've got a 
note uh, and record uh, this transaction and, you know, file uh, accordingly. Well, there's a couple problems with that. I mean, first of all, it's unconstitutional. Uh, and the reason why is, again, uh, we don't have uh, a, a, a middleman. So the reason this can happen, this sort of financial surveillance can happen in the legacy fiat system is that it's, you know, it's going through banks. And so when you're a customer of a bank, you know, you agree to terms and service. And it's that kind of uh, in that allows the state to bypass the Fourth Amendment and, you know, sort of say, OK, well, you need to be you know, doing all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that doesn't happen with Bitcoin. So, so Peter Valkenberg over at Coin Center wrote a nice little article that kind of summarizes the unconstitutionality of 6050i. Uh, but I mean, the real issue is it just doesn't make much sense for a, a, a sort of crypto Bitcoin world. And I, I think the, the NFT people were more upset about this. Um, I didn't see as much frustration from the Bitcoin community, but it certainly applies to us too. Uh, and it's something that's, you know, bad. I mean, it's basically saying like, if you're going to pay somebody um, uh, uh, more than $10,000, or if you receive $10,000 in Bitcoin, uh, you have like 14 days to collect information on that person and report it to the government, lest you are a convicted felon. You get fined $25,000 and you go to jail. And so the issue there is that, you know, if I say, you know, if, if you pay me, Adam, at a store and I sell you this water bottle for $10,000 and you pay me in cash, well, I can say, hey, Adam, uh, can I see your ID? And if you say no, uh, I can say, sorry, I can't sell you this water bottle. But the issue is if you're talking about payments with, with Bitcoin, you have no way of, you're not there. That person could be halfway across the world or halfway across the country. You have no way as a private citizen of conducting a warrantless search on somebody else and mandating that they give you uh, their social security, their ID. Another example. What if I just say, you know what? Chris joined Bitcoin magazine and I don't like this guy. He's He never replaces the coffee after he, he drinks it in the morning. He never puts a new batch on. I'm just going to send him $10,000 in sats and hope he doesn't notice. And if he doesn't in 14 days, uh, you know, uh, he's going to prison. <laughs> like that, that is ridiculous. Um, but I mean, taking a step back here, those are the sort of the three, the three big problems. And, and this isn't really that new. Uh, you know, in 1991, it wasn't until 1991, for example, uh, that that you could actually conduct commerce on the internet. Prior to that, it was illegal to engage in commercial activity on the internet. It was restricted entirely to people with a .mil or a .edu domain. Uh, and so it was the military and the education. And people said, oh my gosh, you know, if, if we let, you know, everybody on the internet, it's just going to be porn and spam uh, and, and all of this. And they're, they're right. But they also missed the bigger point, which was that opening up the internet to allow everybody to use it would fundamentally change society. And, you know, we're, we're all probably okay having to accept the trade-off of a spam folder in our email accounts. So like I was saying earlier, before we started the, the, the call, I mean, it's a classic example of 80 year old politicians using 80 year old laws to try to regulate 10 year old technology. It's like trying to do heart surgery with a hammer. Uh, and we see this happen again and again and again. I can't remember who it was, but somebody famously said, you know, any law that's over 50 years old needs to automatically be scrapped and rewritten. And I think that's, you know, I would probably cut that time frame down, honestly, by 5x uh, in, in this day and age. Like these laws are just not written 
and could have never predicted Nakamoto's innovation. Uh, so there's no way these laws really could have ever made much sense. Uh, and trying to retroactively apply laws that were written before the modern internet to regulating how you know people should engage in transacting value uh, with Bitcoin is is absurd. Um, so that's that's kind of the overview of of what happened in the infrastructure bill. And then recently, so, you know, we first had the Wyden-Lummis uh, uh, amendment that, you know, didn't pass, uh, but we should definitely be grateful for the work that, that they did because they were actually fighting to make this workable. But this Monday, uh, Wyden and Lummis introduced another bill, uh, not to actually change the stuff in here, but to limit its scope. Um, and that was, that was, good, but not really enough. And, you know, we owe them a hat tip for the work they did earlier in the summer. Uh, but what's more exciting is that uh, also on Monday, uh, 10 Democratic House members wrote a letter to Nancy Pelosi saying, look, this has got to get fixed. This is unworkable. And this is going to kill innovation in the United States. And following that letter, a bipartisan group uh, proposed a bill that did three things. Uh, kind of relating to these three things I laid out earlier. Uh, it limits the broker definition to any person who, quote, stands ready in the ordinary course of a trade or business to affect sales of digital assets at the direction of their customers, if I'm getting that right. And, and essentially what that means is that it's going to exclude miners. It's going to exclude developers. It's going to exclude people who, you know, can't and shouldn't report. Uh, the bill also amends that definition of digital assets uh, slightly. Um, and it really what, what it does is just takes out that last clause that said, here's what digital assets are. And they're also anything else that we decide that they are later. Uh, so it kind of strikes that provision. And that's a, that's a good change. Um, the definition's still just like anything on a blockchain though. But again, for, for us, for Bitcoiners, I, I don't really think we are contesting that Bitcoin is a, digital asset. I mean, it is. Uh, so I'm not as worried about that. And then what it really does that's good as well is it completely eliminates 6050i, uh, and that third thing I mentioned, and replaces it instead with uh, an order for, I believe, the Treasury to conduct some study on the effect of expanding this cash transaction uh, requirement for reporting to digital assets. I have no idea if this stuff is going to pass. Um, you know, what's going to happen. Uh, nobody has a, a crystal ball. There will certainly be times in the future, in the next year or two. And, and for the record, this stuff all comes into effect in, in 2024, uh, having applied to the 2023 fiscal year, I believe. So there's not really a ton to do right now. There's going to be opportunities in the coming months and years to really make our voices heard. But for now, you know, this is one tiny part of a massive, massive bill. Uh, and, you know, it's just it, it's not going to be the time right now to to really do anything about it. Um, people will be loud and vocal when it is time again to engage. Um, so, I mean, yeah, people are going to be lobbying. Uh but that's that's not really as much what I'm interested in, uh, and I, I can talk more about. Sort well, of what that's I, what I, I, I want to. So that obviously lobbying groups are forming, just like in any uh, industry. Yeah. But you had some insider information. What, what, what's going on here? What you're doing over there, at Bitcoin Magazine? Yeah, sure. So I was with uh, 
you know, a, a group of people uh, up in D.C. a few weeks ago, um, you know, wouldn't really call it lobbying. It was more just kind of making some introductions and, you know, giving people some facts, just kind of talking, really. Uh, and I I think there's a great and immense need for for lobbying. Uh, and I'm glad that there are Bitcoiners who are stepping up to do that. One of them who I'll give a shout out to is Amanda Cavallari. Uh, I don't know if you've seen her on Twitter, uh, but she's working with uh, CJ Wilson and Jimmy Song. Uh, and I think they're going to be a solid, solid presence uh, in D.C. lobbying for uh, for Bitcoin. Um what I'm working on takes a bit of a different approach. Uh, I've kind of got, we've kind of got our own thesis on the best way that Bitcoiners can, I don't know, stop this stuff from happening. And, you know, you, you hear like a lot of people say like, oh, you know, none of this matters. Cypherpunk's right code. Uh, Bitcoin's going to be fine. I agree. Like Bitcoin's going to be fine. I'm not worried about Bitcoin, the network but I am worried about Bitcoin users. I'm worried about Bitcoiners in the United States because none of us want to move. Uh, you know, everybody's got their problems with this country, but uh, uh, it's hard to think of a, a better place for personal freedom than here. And so I think that's something that gets lost in the debate where people get, you know, they're like, why are you engaging with politicians? Why are you, you know, why are you simping for politicians? Just ignore them. And it's like, well, you know, uh, look throughout history uh, of people who've gotten on the wrong side of the U.S. federal government and tell me how that worked out for them. Uh, they they can make our lives very, very difficult. Um, but I agree that, you know, begging and groveling is really not the way to do that. I think we've got to build a base of, of political power. And fortunately, I think we're pretty much already there. Uh, you know, it, an example that I always use to kind of show how single issue voters can actually drive politics and policy is, is gun control. So across the United States, uh, about 90% of Americans support universal background checks on firearms. And even within the NRA, it's like 80 something percent of card carrying NRA members support universal background checks. But we don't have universal background checks. Why is that? We're in a democracy and literally the pro-gun group, the majority of their members support it. So why haven't we seen them? It's because calls to politicians over universal background checks are seven to one against. And what you have with this issue is an asymmetry of support, where the people who are anti-background checks, they will vote early and often. They will set their alarms to get up to the polls. They will vote no matter what on this one issue. But the people who support gun control, it might be their, their third or fourth or fifth most important issue. They're not gonna change who they vote for or change party lines just because they want these universal background checks. And I think the same dynamic can unfold in, in Bitcoin, where a politician supporting Bitcoin is just an obvious net gain in votes. Like coming out as anti-Bitcoin, you're not gonna gain anywhere near the amount of votes that you're going to lose. Because while there are people who are certainly anti-Bitcoin and anti-crypto, it's not going to be their biggest voting issue. But for us, it is. So I think that there's a lot of ways that we can fight back and that we can 
sort of change some of the game theory around this and kind of put pressure externally on, on politicians using these kind of carrots and sticks, uh, namely being organized, actually, you know, voting and all of that. It's, it's not sexy. It's not fun. And if you don't want to do that, you don't have to. Like, I, I really hate this idea that like, oh, you're not a Bitcoiner unless you call your politician. Like, screw that. Nobody's in Bitcoin because they like politics. So it's not, I don't know. I, I hope that as the community starts to politically organize, we don't see this kind of like tension between the people who want to engage in politics and the people who don't. I think the people who want to engage in politics, it's great. That's why I'm doing it. I think it's important. But I also think it's really important that we don't have this culture of like, oh, shame on you for not voting or shame on you for not calling your senator. Like, uh, not everybody has to care. Uh, and, you know, I, I respect everyone's sort of position, no matter where they are on this kind of like cypherpunk to regretfully, but, you know, whatever, engaging in politics. I, I think there's a wide range of, of positions and it doesn't make you any more or less of a Bitcoiner, no matter where you fall on that spectrum in my end. What I'm interested in doing is building out stuff for the people who do want to engage and who do want to try to fight back. Uh, but I've, I've been talking for a while, so I'll kind of stop. Well, okay, so you're, you're the policy and public affairs guy at Bitcoin Magazine. That's your uh, title. or is That's that right. Okay, so through Bitcoin Magazine, there's going to be some organizing going on. Is yep. from, Okay, now, but, but what you said, compared to the NRA situation, the gun control situation, that in order for this, for politicians to understand they can't cross the Bitcoin line, that there are going to be some Bitcoin people, a, a, a very vocal group of Bitcoin people, cryptocurrency people, whatever, that make it really clear that this is their number one issue. Yep. Okay. I mean, I mean, I think that's the, that summarizes everything like that. But it's okay if this isn't if you're in the space. It's okay if it's not your number one issue, and it's okay if you don't engage the politicians. But you're saying somebody out there, some organization has to make it very clear, this is our number one issue. We are going to hold you to the fire. We're going to be able to bring out people and we're not going to shut up. And so I think, you know, the toxicity of Twitter, it comes in handy here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, hey, if you want to, uh, and, and there's lots of uh, like ways to do that. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested in a lot of different ideas because we do have like this incredibly engaged like internet community and there's all sorts of things that you can do of course you can go on elizabeth warren's twitter and tell her to have fun staying poor uh like you know that's that's kind of what most people do uh and you know that i've got my own thoughts on on stuff like that but it's funny for sure uh but there's, there's also ways that you can actually engage uh and like influence the outcome of an election from like sitting at your computer which is pretty nuts right? Like you can uh, uh, digitally phone bank for candidates. You can, you know, when, when somebody puts uh, a tweet out that's like, I'm concerned with Bitcoin's environmental issue, you, know, you can tell them to go, uh, you know, have fun staying poor. I know we can't swear on the show. Uh, you, can tell them, <laughs> you can tell them to HFSP or, uh, you know, if the, cyber, if, if the cyber hornets wanted to, everybody could like uh, uh, an infographic. That's like, hey, here are the facts. Like Bitcoin uses as much energy as Christmas lights. It makes the grid greener. And here's why it's worth the energy that it's used. Well, if that 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 
comment gets a thousand likes, 2000 likes on a prominent person's Twitter, well, that may well be the only time they've ever engaged with pro Bitcoin content uh, because the mainstream media is so overwhelmingly negative. So there's lots of like, kind of interesting ways that you can you know do stuff uh, uh, online. But yeah, all I'm really trying to say is that historically in the United States, you know, your single vote doesn't get you much. And I think most people kind of realize that pretty, pretty early. They're like, why am I voting? It doesn't matter. Small groups of wildly passionate single issue voters have a disproportionate influence on politics. And that's really all I'm trying to say. Uh, you know, it's not that if we all go vote our hearts out, everything's going to be better. It's just to say that historically, this dynamic has like worked out pretty well uh, when, a, you know, a small group of people are really supportive of something and there aren't that many people who are like strongly against it or willing to vote their, you know, position against it. It's a favorable dynamic for sure. Yeah, and I I don't see uh, the let's tax Bitcoiners to to death or let let's uh, try to screw Bitcoiners as a, a passionate uh, constituency. I don't see I don't see. I mean, there's some people that are very envious, but they're not going to make that their number one uh, concern. As the the opposite would be Bitcoiners making it their number one concern not to get screwed. Now, by the way, Amanda Cavallari, you mentioned her. I linked to her below so everyone can can check that out. Everybody pound that like button. Joe Saz hasn't said a word yet. I got to get him in on it here, man. A lot has been said here, Joe. Uh, do you have thoughts on, on this situation? Um, uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, baby. Cool. Uh, well, I guess uh, it's kind of funny because it's like I feel like I'm old right now because I'm listening to David talk and I'm like, damn, dude. You know, I remember being in the in the trenches. You know, Bitcoin fighting back in the day, knowing all the. You know, it's like so much of the same arguments, similar arguments, calling yourself cyber hornets. You know, I'm from a, a more taco pleb, uh, you know, Twitter era. But it's it's still great to see uh, eccentric, energetic, toxic Bitcoiners. You still understand that, uh, look, there, there's a lot going on right now. And I, I think, you know, after spending a number of years as a very, very toxic Bitcoiner, I, I can kind of obviously communicate to both sides of the fence. Right. It's like this space is evolving whether we like it or not, like we established Bitcoin as an asset, whether we like it or not. Right. And so it's like, despite all this crazy stuff going on, it's great to see like the core Bitcoiner group still strong. And, and also to see like, you know, what, what the hell is going on here? It's like back in my day, I used to see white papers. I used to be able to see what was going on. I used to at least be able to see who is copy paste and what and all this stuff. And now it's like so, so much more like, difficult to i guess navigate your way through the space especially being that shit coining so easy to fall into with DeFi and all this stuff you know a lot of a lot of easy ways to to lose your money by listening to the wrong youtuber right so uh anyways cheers to you young ones uh great to hear that energy and uh, I'm, I'm actually very excited to see that uh I, I remember john carvalho said the same thing to me at one point and i, I think i understand where he's coming from a little bit so anyways, uh, not well, to say well, you Joe, you put something, you, you put an interesting perspective, uh, you know, going back to the old school. Imagine, you know, in 2016, we, we would never have a conversation about uh, infrastructure bills trying to uh, backdoor screw uh, Bitcoin. I mean, it's it's grown quite a bit now that yeah. we, have to, we have to deal with prominent politicians like Ted Cruz and on the other side of the spectrum, like Elizabeth Warren. I mean, this was this would have been a dream back in 2016 or even 2017. I mean, so the 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 evolution is incredible. 
we're on the main stage here and uh I, you you put a good perspective on it joe that it's uh you know it does make you feel a little bit old but but in a good way in a good yeah. way um and there's always going to be battles uh you know there's always going to be people trying to do something to bitcoin but as we all know you really can't change bitcoin but you can make it uncomfortable for american citizens and uh david does point out that no doubt about it during the last uh, almost two years now America has been the best place to, to live in, uh, in terms of freedom and, and uh, especially certain states, uh, Texas, uh, comes to mind and Florida, obviously, uh, someone was about to say something I, I heard a little. Well, so I wanted to jump in with that. And that's one thing where it's like, the argument hasn't changed much, you know, back in our day, it was a simple argument. What is the best money? And obviously Bitcoin was the answer. How to regulate Bitcoin is always also the same answer. You can't, it, you can, you can maybe make life uncomfortable for Bitcoin, but it really isn't. If you've been in the game and you've been running your node and you've been doing your, your due diligence and, you know, utilizing what most Bitcoiners should be utilizing, then sure, you can be a noob that enters the space and now Chainalysis knows everything about you and they can monitor how you, how you progress through your blockchain journey until they can't, right? Uh, but the, the point is, it's like that hasn't changed. The government can do whatever they want. They can say whatever they want. But can they deliver on this of all things? Absolutely not. And not without any sort of very invasive and uh, uh, law that gives up the freedoms uh, and rights of an American, which is something that, you know, we, we touched on gun control. I don't really know what angle we're hitting, but I can tell you a lot of Bitcoiners are ready to say, I lost my Bitcoin on a boat. And what the fuck are you going to do about it? So um you know there's i don't really foresee much a government can do and say what they want but we're talking about a money of the people versus what is clearly tyrannical governments around the world so you know in in, in that scenario order it, uh you know tyranny as a government uh you know illegal activity is freedom right so i mean i i see it as no other change to the original plan as a bitcoin or whether you're you know, talking as you were now with all these amazing things and, and, and references to all these lawmakers and so forth. Sure, the, 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 the space has matured in that sense where we're getting Jack Dorsey on it, main stage at Bitcoin 2021, right? Floyd Mayweather talking about NFTs and all these other people doing stuff. Look, it's not the talk that we necessarily want to hear, but it is a mainstream conversation. Um, so in any event, you know, it's just great to see that they, they the space is growing and they can put their, you know, foot down on maybe some things. But Bitcoin is that one that's always going to have gotten away. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much that's the position that hasn't changed over the number of years. Pound that like button for the Floyd Mayweather uh, uh, reference there. He, yeah, that was pretty funny when he got on the main stage. Uh, that was uh, anyway, you, you had to be there, people. You know the story of what happened backstage. What happened back? First of all, this is a good segue into Bitcoin 2022 because you never know what's going to happen backstage with boxers and stuff. Yeah, come on, guys, use that affiliate code link to below. Yeah. Adam, Adam Ten. Yeah, yeah. What, what, say who who just said something there about so Floyd Mayweather walks in through the you know the VIP speaker entrance, and guess what? He and every member of his team are wearing what? ETH shirts, but not just not just ETH shirts. Ethereum Classic shirts. Whoa! Someone handed it to them. I mean, I, no, I never they, heard the story. They, they came wearing Ethereum Classic shirts, and he was trying to go on stage in an Ethereum Classic shirt. And there was a whole debacle uh, uh, to be like, dude, this is a 
Bitcoin conference. You cannot get on stage wearing this shirt. Uh, and yeah, that was that. that that's of, of, all, all, of, all, on what happened there. of all altcoins to have, why did he have that? Why did his crew? Why were they rolling I'm up? Sure or someone rolling? just paid. I, I don't I don't think Floyd is. A, if I, I don't think he had any idea or. Like I, I don't think he was an ETH classic maxi yeah. who just showed up to rep it. Like I, I suspect that somebody just like got in touch with their team and was like, "Hey, we'll pay you to wear this crypto shirt at the crypto conference." Like I don't even think it was in bad faith. Like I don't even think he yeah. knew yeah, that yeah. you know, oh, I'm coming. You know, I, I'm I'm coming with this just like random coin that no one uses to a Bitcoin conference. Like I just think he someone paid him and they said sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's all about the Benjamins with him, but whatever. Hey, that's some interesting insider information. I want to go back to what Joe said, uh, how, you know, if you properly, uh, you know, store your Bitcoin right, they can't do anything to you. So you don't, obviously the government's, uh, you know, can't make you, you know, the government is going to make people feel uncomfortable who don't store their Bitcoin right. And that is the majority of the people, my Lord. My, I mean, just, uh, I encountered, uh, when I bought my car, uh, yesterday, pound that like button for some insider information. Adam Meister bought his car so he could travel across the freaking country, but I wore a Bitcoin shirt, of course. And the salesman, I mean, he starts telling me about his Bitcoin trading. He keeps all of his Bitcoin at, at crypto.com and, and, uh, Coinbase. He had no clue what I was even talking about, about uh, self-storage. Didn't, didn't, didn't know it at all. Didn't know that concept. That wasn't even a concept there. So, I mean, <laughs> I think that should be reassuring for the, the those of us who store everything correctly, um, because there are some easy targets out there. If the government really wants to get their tax money and their regulation on, there are some guys that are just doing things. And obviously, Coinbase is a publicly traded company. They'll uh, they'll snitch on anyone that they, I mean, they're forced to. I mean, if they're if they're if the government comes around and asks them for information about people. All right. Well, I I, I went down a little bit of rabbit hole there, but uh, Joe says a. Uh, made me think about yesterday. Uh, Chris, your take on the government and lobbying and, and everything that was brought up by Mr. Zell. Uh, I, I'll, I'll defer to uh, Mr. Saylor. Everything's good for Bitcoin. Uh, I love his quote when saying, you know, anyone that bashes Bitcoin, they're talking about mainstream media, that's good for Bitcoin. Uh, if they're praising it, that's also good for Bitcoin. Uh, I think David brings up some really good points. Uh, at this point, I kind of heard, I don't know if you guys heard the talk with uh, Larry Lepper, uh, Leopard or Lawrence Leopard. Uh, he's kind of a gold bug, but now kind of becoming a Bitcoiner. And uh, Greg Foss were on Swan Signal Live the other day. Uh, and I think what I really value in some of the older folks, uh, even though I am getting older, but some of the older, wiser guys who have been in the, the world a lot longer, um, I think that he kind of gives fair warnings about what the, our government can do and kind of uh, hitting on David's point that, you know, history doesn't always repeat itself, but it definitely rhymes. Uh, you know, what they did to the gold bugs back in the day, that was kind of the hardest money before uh, Bitcoin was really around. And obviously I'm not a gold bug. I don't own only any gold stocks or gold bullion or whatever. But what they ultimately did to the gold bugs is that they tried to paper trade, uh, you know, gold, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, paper trading gold on a stock market, basically. And I think this kind of ties into my next point, the SEC rejecting the Van X spot ETF. I know the futures ETF came out a few weeks ago. Uh, but ultimately, I think this is a good thing for Bitcoin. It gives us more time to educate people. Exactly to Adam's point, uh, the guy was saying, oh, I keep it all on an exchange. That's safe. That's not safe. You know, if they talk to any Bitcoin maximalist, they say, you know, you, it's not your keys, not your coins. So I think 
And this gives us more time to educate people on what even a hardware wallet is, what a note is. I know that's even a more abstract than a hardware wallet or even a hot wallet or a cold wallet, either of the two. So it definitely gives us time to educate people about, you know, taking hold of Bitcoin and then kind of even using more of the privacy tools out there, such as coin joining or uh, various applications for, uh, you know, not revealing your whole transaction history to the world, whether it be a government, an exchange or et cetera. And I'll, let me just jump in really quickly. It's it's not just that the paper stuff. FDR confiscated yes. gold holdings mm-hmm. in America in 1933. Literally, like if you do not, I mean, of course, like no one died in this process. But I mean, what what is the sort of logical conclusion of this? Like men with guns will come to your house and put a bullet in your head unless you give us your gold. And of course, there's a bunch of steps in between that, like the legal system and all. I mean, just, you know, that, that's really reductionist. But essentially, that's what it is. Like the state has a monopoly on violence. And if they want to, it it would be really, really tough. Like, especially like you're saying, for the people that don't self-custody, that don't coin join, uh, you know, that, that, you know, KYC are just three letters in the alphabet uh, or non-KYC is just, you know, they don't, they don't get it. And, and I, I I could see things getting tough, even if you have, uh, even if you've taken some like reasonable steps. Uh, I don't, I don't want to be too alarmist. I don't really think that's going to happen. Um, I also don't really think, I kind of don't think Bitcoin is going to get that messed up illegally speaking. I, I, I think what I'm really worried about are these sort of like low probability, high risk events, high impact events over the next two to three years. I think once we get to like $10 trillion, it's a $10 trillion asset. The United States government, they're getting their, they're getting their money. They're, they're making money from taxes, from exchanges, from minor, whatever. I kind of think we're just going to, there's nothing they can do. You, you, that's too big to, to fail really quickly, Adam, what I'm actually kind of like worried about uh, is in the next, you know, say year to three years, uh, some geopolitical conflict occurs. So let's take an example. Uh, Biden's approval rating is really, really low. If I were president Xi over in China, I would be looking to go pull a Crimea on some island in the South China Sea where three people live and invade, you know, uh, and take over some like, you know, some island that's controlled by like the Philippines or whatever. Because that puts Biden in a real pinch. Like, do you go to war over a bloodless conflict where three people lived? No. But if you don't, what does Article 5 in NATO mean, right? This idea that we're going to protect our allies and defend our allies. You know, there's so many things like that. You know, you look at Putin putting troops on the Ukrainian border right now. What I think, honestly, is the biggest risk to Bitcoin is not uh, this stuff in the infrastructure bill. I think the infrastructure bill stuff sucks, and I think we're going to be able to change a lot of it. My real concern would be this, like, Patriot Act style thing. We're in the midst of some big crisis where there's a huge enemy to blame. The government can just sort of pass regulation orders of magnitude larger than the stuff in the infrastructure bill under the cover of, you know, wartime emergency or whatever. Uh, and, And that's where I think some of the actual most scary types of things, like thinking about like confiscation or just like an outright ban on Bitcoin. Like I'm not that's not going to happen. I'm not worried about that happening, barring in the next, say, you know, 36 months, some crazy geopolitical event. And and, and the reason why, I guess I should probably like offer this explanation. It's like, ultimately what America cares about 
priority numero uno is financing the military. And we all know, because we're Bitcoiners, that holding treasury bonds like literally means that you are just losing money. Uh, that is the method that we use to finance the United States military. So if some geopolitical conflict like this occurs and it's causing a crisis in confidence in the U.S. dollar, Bitcoin is pumping and the United States is worried that they're not going to be able to keep the dollars that they need to build, you know, to, to have their warships, to have to, to pay their soldiers, to finance the military. That's the kind of thing where it's like, oh, I could actually see somebody in the treasury getting a memo in like the war room that's like, oh, yep, okay, we got to do all this. Oh, fifth on the list. Yep, ban Bitcoin. Sure. Like we, we can't have US dollars exiting the system. But of course, like, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's, you're talking like less than 1% probability. But I do think that there are some not too hard to imagine scenarios where, uh, you know, it's like what happened after 9-11. Like, we would have never, ever, ever agreed to the Patriot Act uh, in any other situation. But in the wake of that crisis, you know, nobody could challenge it. It was like, yeah, we just got attacked. Like, we, we're going to do whatever it takes to fight back and stop this from happening again. So I'm honestly more worried about those low-risk, high-probability scenario, or sorry, uh, low-probability, high-risk, high-impact scenarios. But I also think the window in which that's going to be a concern is rapidly closing. I, I think we're going to reach a point very soon where we don't really have to worry about politics at all. There's just, you know, we're, we're just going to be too big to to, to, to mess with. I, I think Bitcoin might already be at the, uh, in terms of not having a super emergency situation, I think we're already in a point of no return uh, in terms of how mainstream Bitcoin has become and how intertwined it is into the financial markets and how many elite and, and wealthy people are doing well because of it and, and the tax revenue that is being brought in. But you do make a valid point. Um, if there were to be a situation, God forbid, God forbid, um, where a Patriot Act II was accepted by the American people and it would involve China. Your scenario is very correct. It would probably might even be China and Taiwan, which would be a worse situation than you just described. Um, in such a, a time of fear and panic, there could be a Patriot Act too, where the Elizabeth Warrens of the world feel, feel now's my chance to bring socialism one clo step closer to the people. Let me sneak in some uh, Bitcoin, uh, anti-Bitcoin stuff into this thing. Um, so uh, would it work though? Who knows? Uh, but you do, uh, you, you make a valid point about Patriot Act uh, part two and you, do, and you do, too, on, on, like, the whole idea that we're probably already there. Like, I, I, I'm, i like, with you 90%. I think I'll feel a lot more comfortable when we're at 10 trill than, than one. But, I again, like, I don't stay up at night worried about this stuff. And I, I think that's, you know, it's a time preference thing to me, really. Like, I think a lot of Bitcoiners are, <clears throat> at least that I see, like, kind of just on Twitter, it's like, oh, you know, how are you worried about this? Like, how are you worried about... The government there's nothing they can do and like well when you plan you want to be careful and you want to hedge against any outcome there's a difference between a 99% certainty and a 100% certainty uh and so that's kind of like where where my perspective really comes it's like i, I don't actually stay up at night like i'm not worried about this stuff but you know if i'm going to be as pragmatic and logical as possible I, I do think there are some tail risks that we should, you know, 
take our best to kind of hedge against. Um, you know, that's that's where I'm coming from. All right, I, I want to get Joe Joe in on this here, man. We're, we're talking about uh, international conflict, and everything, and uh, po- possible uh, pretty uh, totalitarian uh, uh, scenarios when in, in terms of uh, what could happen to, to Bitcoin here uh, if they make up some crazy laws. Do, do you see this uh, such a thing happening, or are we at the point of no return? Well, so let, let's start with like the 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 situation, right? It all boils down to debt, two hundred eighty trill give or take uh global debt gold accounts for somewhere around 10 10 trill uh, I, I think when i had this discussion gold might have been around you know 1300 1400 bucks an ounce so 1800 bucks an ounce let's say gold's you know global supply is close to 10 trillion all right and then obviously we have a few other things you know asset classes that have value um and so this is the main reason why i think bitcoin is pretty much impervious to a lot of these things that you know a lot of people worry about like you know it getting taken away or it getting canceled or whatever right it's we owe china more money than pretty much any other country they have the greatest incentive for bitcoin to be functioning they have the greatest incentive for you know an alternative money right um they also have certainly an incentive for their currency to become a global standard but it, it's clear that bitcoin is emerging as such so uh yeah i think um every, you know i don't really look at it as you know every country has to compete but clearly the competition it is already aiming toward accumulate. El Salvador sees this. A small country now has round about a 600 stack of Bitcoin. They bought some veterinary clinics. They bought some schools. You know, they bought some dips. And and look, that's an inspiring story. You know, look, if I'm in a freaking third world country and a little governmental speculation paid off some roads that now make it easier for me to get to work or, you know, schools for my children to to have a better future you can bet your buttons that's going to start spreading you know so uh you know i'm excited for the future of bitcoin in that sense you know i think this is going to begin with the competition to accumulate from small nobody countries you know there are certainly are uh, uh white collars involved in bitcoin therefore the manipulation of an open market asset is extremely possible and we see this volatility all the time but it is great to see this uh, uh, Bitcoin start to move in this direction of competitive accumulation by countries, which is my primary focus, as opposed to what can countries do to limit the ability for a user to access their Bitcoin and so forth. Dude, I love that you're focusing on the positive here, on what these uh, evil statists can do. Like, yeah, no, I feel uh, bad for like just making the like. It's such a depressing conversation. Like, I I agree with Joe pretty much on everything he he said. It's like there's so much more to be optimistic about than than pessimistic. But you you brought me on to talk about kind of a a pessimistic thing. I do want to make it clear, like I'm really not worried. But, uh, you know, the, the topic of government regulation, it's like I, I love the kind of counterpoint there of like, yeah, you've got government regulation. But what you really have is a game theoretic incentive for rapid government accumulation. And, and that's a huge part of like, you know, the the sort of story that, that we try to tell. Right. Is like uh, I, I think Bitcoin is good for the United States. Um, I know that there are people who say Bitcoin is a speculative attack on the dollar. Uh, but from my perspective, when I'm meeting with with lawmakers, like you know, I'm like, look, uh, why does the State Department fund Internet in countries that aren't the United States? It's because open monetary networks, open communication networks don't need to be owned by your country to benefit your values. When you have something like the Internet that we don't own, 
that is huge for toppling, you know, tyranny and authoritarian regimes like all over the world. That's why we do that. And so what I try to say is, look, you're not going to be able to control this. You're not going to be able to own it. You might be able to tax some of it for the companies and the people that live here. And the more favorably you make this country for Bitcoin, the more you're going to get. Uh, but this is a, a, an open network that intrinsically reflects democratic values, that embodies the core principles of the United States, sovereignty, freedom. Uh, and it's not going anywhere. So I don't know. I, I really I, I think Bitcoin is bad for authoritarians. It's bad for tyranny. I think it's good for democracy. I think it's good for the United States. Yeah. And I think when more people realize that we're going to be I think we're just kind of we're a little early and I think people still need to kind of like realize, Oh, this is, this is similar to the internet. It's just yeah. like the internet of money. And this is good for the United States. Yeah. Well, now David, you got to go in two minutes. So I'm going to let you get a closing thoughts in a, in a few seconds, but I, I just wanted to add on to what you said. Innovation is great for the United States. We became the United States was the, is the internet capital of the world. And wow. If, if it wasn't, we would have been in a lot rougher uh, economic situation over the last 30 years. Uh, but the innovation created so many jobs in New York, San Francisco, the whole freaking country. Um, so this 2020s, this golden age, baby, the, the it, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, this is where all the innovation is. So, of course, any logical person would say we wanted to thrive here in the United States of America. But we have these status that are such control freaks. It's, it's sickening. And But uh, give us your conclusionary thoughts there, Dave. Are you still there, Zell? Come on, Zell. Sorry, I'm muted. Uh, yeah. Concluding thoughts. Uh, and, and also, why are you excited about Bitcoin 2022? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. All right. Uh, concluding thoughts. Uh, really enjoyed being here. It's good to meet all of you. I'd really never spoken to anybody other than Chris before this. Uh, so that's that was sick. Uh, Joe and I follow each other on Twitter now. I realized I missed you. Uh, but uh, closing thoughts, uh, keep an eye out. Uh, we're about a month, two months away from launching some pretty cool stuff related to some of these topics uh, over at Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, follow me on Twitter if you want to get updates on sort of what we're doing. If you want to chime in and uh, sort of share your thoughts on all of this. Uh, Bitcoin 2022. Oh, okay. I, there is... I'm under NDA and I don't know what I can and cannot. Oh, okay. Okay. That, let, that, let, me, that, let me just say this. Hold on. Let me, let me just say this. There will be speakers at 2022 that you would have never imagined at 2021. There will be speakers at this conference. And if, if you thought we had a lineup last year, I, it, it's going to be, nuts there there we, we have some people speaking that you would you would have never guessed uh you're just gonna have to show up uh and wait till we or wait till we announce it uh but it, it's gonna be we're, we're gonna do what we did in 2021 and we're gonna make it twice as good and hopefully not have a line problem on the first day either <laughs> pal that light button for that line i'm glad i had my media pass all right insider information you just gave Dude, hey, good luck. We will have you back on the show soon enough. Uh, have, have a good one. You were awesome. Yeah, thanks. Let, nice to meet you guys. Let's go to Joe. Joe's got to leave in five minutes here. See you later, so, David. Uh, so, so, Joe, tell us tell us what you're up to um, about uh, about Emily and uh, just anything. 
So, you know, just to sum up, you know, uh, everything that's going on, obviously I've continued the uh, exploration of the Orb book. I'm working on my, my latest SAS 3, which, you know, SAS 2 signals are now out for free. Um, they, they've been great, you know. So, you know, a little bit of market analysis still going on. A lot, a lot of people are still very curious about how to, how to, you know, time their buys, of course. So, you know, don't hesitate to hit me up on that. And of course, Emily, uh, I'm, I'm one of two CEOs across the globe. We have our Euro product launched and working. It's a, a, a debit card that you just send your Bitcoin to a static address associated with this card or, uh, you know, any other high, very high market cap, you know, stable coin and stuff like this, right? Uh, you can send it to your Emily card and then you can use this card anywhere in the world that Visa is accepted. Um, so, you know, I was in Mexico at the Bitcoin standard conference, swiping this thing at shady taco stands and it was working. So, you know, the Embly product is doing great and uh, the future of Embly is looking great. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm just very happy to be here. I also had a great time hanging out, obviously, with you, Adam. Uh, and it was great to see you in Miami 2021. I look forward to seeing you at 2022, um, especially considering the uh, amount of uh, foot traffic they plan on having there. And, uh, of course, it was a pleasure to meet you uh, both at Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, Chris, I, I know David left already, but, um, yeah, I, I, uh, it's really great to see, you know, I just feel like there's so much energy still. And it's like I, I feel like I'm, I'm get, I've gotten tired of that, that, you know, arguing with XRP peeps, you know, whatever, arguing with Litecoin fucking hippies and arguing with these people of this community and that. And it's so funny to see people coming in with all this energy, ready to just swing the hammer. So I'm actually really happy to see the, the you know, something like that happen and coming around, you know. Dude, you talk about increased foot traffic. It's going to be like 30,000 people this time. So you're going to get, yeah. I mean. Double. Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. mean, that's trip. I mean, it was yeah. like 10,000. Whatever. It's, it's, it's going to be huge, people. You're going to be able to see all of us there. You're going to be able to touch our hair and everything. I know everybody wants to touch this freaking hair. Uh, the car salesman yesterday was telling me that the women wanted to touch my hair and stuff. So uh, anyway, good. Good job, uh, Joe. And you, it, it's I'm, I'm pumped. I, I'll probably run into you before then, I think. Uh, who yeah, knows? Probably, probably. Who knows? Who knows, man? Well, thank you. Good luck with I know you got a really busy day here. Uh, Chris and I are going to make this like uh, our show now because I was on Chris's show uh, recently. Oh, much love to both of you, though. Much love. Have a good one, Joe. Much Talk to you later. Good okay, to guys. see. Pound that like one. So yeah, Chris. Now I'm just going to interview you like you interviewed me before, man. I, so, I'm cool with that. That's cool. Return to favor. Turn into, I, I know you haven't gotten that much. Of, you you talk some, but I mean, uh, you, you got Zell did a great job. My my lord, he that was a really uh, giving us some great insider information and, and getting everybody excited about the, the event. Speakers we can't even freaking imagine. All right. I'm not under NDA yet. And I, so, like I said, I gave my two weeks a few days ago. So I, they, I, I signed the paperwork to accept the offer, but I'm not under NDA. So I don't know any of the insider information yet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, his stuff, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. And I was definitely listening to what David was saying. Very intriguing stuff. Yes. We're, we are super spreading the news about this uh, awesome event. And you are, God, I got to give you all the credit in the world. You're going to be working at the freaking magazine now. Oh man, they are. Yes. Guys, I see so much progress over, over time. We did, you know, everyone keeps on talking about CK, CK this. I mean, he's just Christian to me. He was just a, a kid that I met in 2018. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable how things have changed. All right, dude. So let our dude. Now we're, we're, we're talking about, uh, the we were talking about worst case scenarios with these sickening politicians and you do have to give them credit they just they keep keeping it they, they keep it 
in our minds that they might want to do something to Bitcoin one day. Because we got this headline here. So it would never, people will always be a little worried about it because of psychotics like this person. Crypto could undermine dollar, destabilize nations, Hillary Clinton says. Yep, I saw that clip. Uh, I mean, it just goes to show the Hillary Clintons, the the Saleh Amarov, I, I think she's the comptroller of currency that Biden just put into place Ooh. recently. Uh, the Janet Yellens, the Brad Shermans, the Elizabeth Warrens, that, you know, they're afraid of it. Uh, you know, and it's funny that, I think exactly to David's point, if they adopted this and said, you know, you know, I guess they look at it as money or power or votes. And it definitely they lose power and they they lose uh, uh, they lose control. But, yeah, maybe they get more money by, you know, taxing this into oblivion or trying to make it more difficult. But I think that they're fighting a losing battle. I think you and I can agree. I think David and Joe would agree as well. And yeah. most Bitcoiners. But by trying to make it more difficult, it's just like, I hope Erica, Erica Rhodes, uh, I don't know her beliefs politically, but just looking at it binary, Brad Sherman doesn't like Bitcoin, Erica Rhodes likes Bitcoin in, in California. And, you know, not to say it's a single voter issue, but exactly like what David's saying, the Bitcoiners are more passionate about pro-Bitcoin people than they are about any other issue for a lot of people. And uh, I'd love to see her oversee Brad Sherman uh, next year and stuff like that. But it's just, it's interesting. Well, the only that, that's the funny thing. If he's going to lose to her, then that will be the deciding issue. And that would be glorious because it'll it'll warn other people like, well, wait a second. I can't go against this. There are some really passionate cyber hornets about this uh, around this thing that that uh, that got rid of a longtime uh, congressman. Now, I don't I don't think it's going to happen, but because I know how these how the, the mindless voters just they don't think they just they know the name. They vote for the incumbent. It's that. But if he if he were to lose, it would be it would because of the the, the negative. This would be the number one issue. So, I uh, yeah, I don't want to misspeak. I think she's running as a Democrat. I, and like I said, I, I believe she is. So I guess it would be the incumbent Democrat against the, you know, her or any any other Democrats that are going up against it. Obviously, California is more of a, a Democratic state and cool. there might be Republicans on the other side that are pro or against it. I think that that just area is going to go blue. Regardless, just if you look at historically, well, no, no, I mean, but she, she's a demo. I think I don't even know the whole damn story. Darn story. It's a, a, a Democratic. It's in the uh, in the primary. She's running. Yes. It. Yeah. So it's a Democrat can try and knock him off early. So, well, yeah, well, Democrats get rid of their incumbent. I mean, that's even harder. Yeah, that, than, that, that's the harder thing to do for sure. That's the harder thing. Yeah. So but I, I think some of these uh, politicians that rag on Bitcoin it's just to, you know, endear them to their base of envious people, to get them into the news. And it's just so funny what the mainstream media does cover here, because we've got The Economist has a freaking headline. This is unbelievable. The yeah. sharp increase in inflation over the past year has blindsided many ec economists. Almost no one saw it coming. I, I know. I saw all the Bitcoiners retweeting it and commenting on it. It's like, we were all telling you that printing trillions was going to do this. What do you mean that you don't know? Like, no so you're one. telling you're telling all of us, many of the Bitcoin space don't have economics degree. I know that for a fact, or at least a lot of people I talk to. Well, and they're like, we knew that this was going to happen. So what are you telling us that your degrees are worth? I mean, I, I pride myself on my engineering degree. But once you get into the working world, you really realize like, don't get me wrong. An engineering degree is quite difficult and I'm not here to rag on any other college degrees or degrees that people have. But once you get into the working world, you realize like 
your worth is by your work. And that's kind of the proof of work system. You know, I worked my ass off to get my engineering degree, but once I got into the working world, you know, then everyone's like, I don't care what you learned in school. Prove it to me now, here and now. You need to help us and our company and our plant and what we're trying to do now. And, you know, that's proof of work. Instead of proof of stake, proof of work. Pound that like button. All righty. Smash that like button. Now, I want to say to everyone that's watching this live, um, you know, I do... This show, the, the Super Spreading Bitcoin uh, 2022, This Week at Bitcoin show, every week, this Bitcoin magazine, they pay the bills for it. Um, but I do do other shows. If if you want to interview me on your show, like Chris did, I'll, I'll appear on anyone's show. You give me a copy of it, then it appears on this channel too, and it's pretty darn good for you. Man, people's... But the other thing is... The one Bitcoin show, it costs $100 to do that, okay? And people, you know, they send super chats. So if you've got questions, send super chats. We need $69 more for the next one Bitcoin show to appear. Uh, but, I mean, you can also, you send $69 and you have a topic, I'll do that topic on the next show. You can sponsor a show for $100, but we only need $69 for the next one. So I'm just giving you some options out there, people. If not, the next darn show you're going to get is uh, next Friday probably. This week in Bitcoin, that'll be the Friday after Thanksgiving. I mean, who knows? It might be on, maybe I'll do it on Wednesday. I'm in Baltimore now, as, as many of you uh, might be. And, and we'll talk about what I've done in Baltimore um, during my time here. I, it was, it's was it been great uh, to see the family. And, and things have, uh, things are looking up a little bit more among the people I know in Baltimore than I thought. People are not as scared among my uh, circle of uh, people here. So I, I'm really excited about that, obviously. But I always love to see my family and whatnot. But let's, let's move back to... Uh, to Chris here and the topics at hand, because we got to cover what I, I said we were going to cover. It was something that's in the title here. Uh, well, there's a column from the Los Angeles uh, Times. Uh, Think the name Crypto.com Arena will make cryptocurrencies legit? Think again. Okay, so, I mean, we got some so, trying to rip on uh, cryptocurrencies because uh, a, a company named, uh, this, this is pretty iconic here, Staples Center, it's big time uh, NBA basketball. It's it's the home of the freaking Lakers, which are the uh, most famous team in all of the NBA worldwide. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, you can hate the Lakers, like the Lakers, whatever. But it, just like I hate the Yankees, but I can admit it's the most famous baseball team on the face of the planet. Los Angeles Lakers, most famous uh, basketball team on, on, on the face of the planet. Uh, and so this Crypto.com company, they're paying a lot of money for the arena uh, naming rights. I think it's a good move on their part. I think it will mainstream it. I, I think it's it's a, I think it's good for Bitcoin. I think it's good for cryptocurrency. And um, will it make cryptocurrencies legit? I mean, that's well, depends on what your definition is. But it's not going to bring uh, cryptocurrencies down like th these people try to, um, you know, imply. And I think it's going to remind everybody how much marketing uh, is valuable in this space. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on. Uh, the, the renaming of a uh, staple center as crypto.com, uh, Chris, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you and I can agree. We're not big fans of uh, cryptocurrency in general. I, I kind of, you know, I tell people to lose that term from their vocabulary. Uh, we're more just Bitcoin and Bitcoin only uh, stealing one. Like I said, in the last 48 hours, I keep saying what you said to me uh, when you came on Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. And I think that's a great quote. Uh, but I do think it brings awareness. And in theory, that brings people to the crypto space. I hate saying that. And then ultimately, I hope it guides them. We, we guide them as the shepherds of the sheep to Bitcoin and to Bitcoin only. Uh, I know they're not the first ones to do it. FTX already bought the Miami ar arena, which is the home of the uh, 
uh, Miami Heat. There we go. Thank you. Uh, but definitely to your point, the Staples Center, or there was, uh, to home of the LA Lakers, I think that is probably the biggest team in basketball, aside from maybe the Knicks. Those That's my team. They, they suck. Uh, they're based out of New York. But I think the Lakers carry more weight globally, especially with LeBron being there and, and you know, Kobe's legacy and all of that. I definitely think it's a team that carries uh, more guys uh, then even maybe some of the, the Celtics or teams that were very good back in the day. But I think the Lakers are kind of the team of, of basketball. And, well, and let, let, let's stick with marketing here right now. If you did a, a, a Gallup poll and it, it just uh, in the whole world, you know, be, beyond the name, one basketball team, name, one baseball team. And it would be the the baseball team would be the New York Yankees and the basketball team would be the Los Angeles Lakers. I, Without I'm a almost, doubt. Yeah. I'm almost, I'm almost positive. Um, you know, there's plenty of, there are plenty of Knicks fans out there. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But it's just, I've been, I mean, I've been in Australia before and you get, you see Lakers hats. I mean, I've been all over the world. You see the Lakers. Yeah, hats for sure. Um, all right. And uh, let's, let's, let's cover another thing here. I want your take on, uh, I, I bring this up every week to people, but I did, I did because the NFT thing is not going away and I want to put a positive spin on it. And I don't know if I even brought this up on the past show or not. Uh, back in the early days of the internet, they, they said there was the Netscape moment. And when Netscape appeared, it allowed regular people to get on the internet. There was internet before browsers. I mean, you, you'd have to yeah. go to news groups and, and crazy things. It was, a, but uh, Netscape, kind of made it comfortable for the normies to get on the internet. It was an easy path. Now this, this NFT stuff on a certain level on, on an adoption type of level, it makes people feel more comfortable. They don't even know that they're in like cryptocurrencies. Um, I don't know. I, I think the NFTs for the overall cryptocurrency space could be a version, a toned down version of the of, of the Netscape moment. I don't know. It, it opened my when I heard that. It did make me think. It did make me think. And again, as you said, I'm not. I talk. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. The people, the guy, the car salesman is trying to, to tell me. You know, going back to the crypto.com has a freaking token. So yeah. he he's like. Oh, yo, I heard they're building it. <laughs> this is normies for you. And he's a great, he's a good guy. He's a good guy, but he, you know, he's a busy man. He's like, I heard crypto.com is building an arena in Los Angeles. So I'm buying their token, uh, you, you know? So, I mean, and I'm just telling them, dude, just Bitcoin only type of thing. But, but again, what, what marketing can do, people don't even understand what's, what's going on b behind these moves sometimes. But uh, your take on NFT Netscape moment. Yeah, I see. Uh, I don't know. I think sports and sports betting and sports yeah. gambling, they, they're things as old as time. I think this is kind of people's ways of dipping their toes in the water. You know, they're kind of going from trading cards or paper cards to now digital cards or whatever they may be. Non-fungible tokens, I guess, is the, the, the name. But with the ease of use and understanding of that, you know, I think they're kind of dipping their toes in the water and ultimately saying, well, if I've got these digital tokens and if a, doll a trading card is paper... And then I've got cash is U.S. dollars or whatever currency. If NFTs are this and it's based on another form, we won't go into what what they base it on, whether it's whatever other cryptocurrency, you would hope that Bitcoin would kind of be their counter to their cash. 
Uh, and you hope that that's kind of the logic they go down. Obviously, uh, NFTs seem to be built on a lot of other platforms and other cryptocurrencies. So they might say, oh, let me hold the cash in this form of the other cryptocurrency. But I hope we guide them down the path of Bitcoin and Bitcoin only. Now, now I think I think what you're trying to say here, uh, and I've said this before, Bitcoin is money, is digital money. This other stuff is digital trading cards. It's something else. It's not money yeah, at all. So exactly. if you in, in the real world, if you've got some uh, uh, some tops, a uh, tops baseball card, you also got some dollars in your in your pocket, right? Yeah. And you're not treating your tops, uh, your, your Willie McGee card or Eddie Murray card as <laughs> 1980s reference. Found that like as money. You're just it's a fun thing. So I think NFTs can exist with uh, with Bitcoin easily uh, because they're not money and they're. they're I agree. Yeah, yeah. All right. So what are you up to on your podcast? Talk about it. Uh, plug it. Tell people how to watch it. And yeah, anything, anything else you're doing that you want to talk about? Any yeah. Other so uh, the uh, I host the Amateur Investors Podcast. Uh, it's I started off as just kind of an investing podcast, but then it kind of orange pilled and doing a lot more Bitcoin content. Ultimately, that kind of led me down to my job. Uh, and I guess CK kind of broke the news. Uh, I was waiting to, probably a few more days or early next week, but uh, I have accepted an offer at Bitcoin Magazine. I told my old company that I gave my two weeks and I will be joining them shortly after Thanksgiving, working as the Twitch project manager there. Uh, if you guys want to check out Adam Meister's episode on my podcast, it was episode 49 of the Amateur Investors Podcast. And I got a lot of good content coming. And uh, I really have to thank Adam to, you know, kind of giving me, I, not hope, but like, He's kind of like, if you want to do anything in this space, you just got to put your mind to it. And a few months later, I ultimately got a job at Bitcoin Magazine, kind of a dream job. So, uh, you know, it's it's out there for the people that want to work. And I think that's the best thing about this space. It's where uh, true entrepreneurs and and innovation is going. And I hope the whole world ends up going into this space. And then we talk less about Bitcoin and we talk about building other things on top of Bitcoin. I see where it's really going. All right. And I just want to remind Chris, David and Joe are all linked to below, follow them. And you see a few months ago, dude, I, I was in Salt Lake City. It was a few cities ago, but I, it was October. It was October I, I yeah. interviewed me. So it was not, 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 not that long ago. We're not- Yeah, exactly. We're not, time flies. A lot can freaking happen. Make the most of your freaking life. You made the most of your freaking life. Uh, I have too. I've been to three different freaking cities since then. Or, well, this is third now. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're in motion in different, well, in- you're in motion getting a new job. I'm in motion traveling all around and networking and doing all and buying a car so I could finally uh, you know, try. Uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. And re real quick, at the beginning of the show, we opened up just reminding everyone, Bitcoin always returns to its all-time high. How many days in the history of Bitcoin has it even been over $60,000 at this point, Chris? I mean, like... 10 days only Bitcoin's been over 60,000. I, I don't even 60, know. 60,000. I think it's like, I guess if you count when it hit the 64 peak over the summer, I think it's been like 30 days, maybe 30, yeah, max, 20, 20, 20, 30 days, something know. like yeah, that. Yeah, it's more than 10. I, I'm, I'm over 65, over. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But but that's the point, people. People that are watching this in the future are laughing their butts off because that's just, uh, you know, of course it's over 60,000. So because right now in the present, People are they're like they feel sad that it's that it's in the high fifties right now. It's at fifty eight thousand dollars, and uh, yeah, I mean, dudes, just remember if you ever need reassurance on days like this, repeat this line: Bitcoin always returns to its all time high. I repeated that line for like three freaking years, 2018, 2019. and by that, and a year ago, the end of twenty nine, uh, twenty one. It did. And I, end of 2020, it did return. 
and I had quite a show. It was legendary. I, I went, I went wild. I was in Phoenix. I remember it well. Um, so yeah, dudes, um, I don't know if you have anything to say about the price. Uh, I, I, I can hardly even speak about the price. It's just like, you know, it's mindless to me at this point, but a lot of people like to hear about it. So and anything on that topic, Chris, before I mean, I, uh, uh, to your point, it always returns to an all-time high. This is an opportunity. You know, I said it before. Over the summer, I was kind of telling all my friends earlier at the, or early in the beginning of the year, I was getting a lot of my friends into Bitcoin, a lot of my close friends, because uh, I was kind of finally getting it, understanding it. You know, I started the podcast in the tail end of last year and kind of was really orange-pilled. But we were buying all the way up to the 64K mark. It fell all the way down to 29K, 30K. And all my friends, uh, you know, they didn't panic. They were like, Chris, it's time to put more money in. So they were DCAing on the way down, but then they got a bonus or whatever extra fiat money they had, put more into it. And then as it, we broke to new all-time highs, they say, you know, I'm already up from the 30K mark. So why would I be upset if it falls down to 57, 56, 55? It's like another opportunity. So uh, they were happy. And uh, ultimately, I'm glad that they weren't panicking and selling and doing the wrong thing. You know, when... Uh, What's the Warren Buffett quote? When every when people are greedy, that's the time to be fearful. And then when people are fearful, that's the time to be greedy. And the same applies to Bitcoin or any economic uh, market that is out there. Yeah. When there's blood in the streets, baby, live it, buy it. When everyone is scared. Uh, and I, I do want to point out again. So a little over a year ago, you weren't even in the Bitcoin. You weren't. That wasn't the June of 2020 was my first purchase for three days after Michael Saylor. So I've been in it just over a year. So. But, but my point of bringing that up is like the dude's working for Bitcoin magazine now. It, it yeah. could be that it could be that fast. I mean, yeah. beginning of 2020, it wasn't the Bitcoin at all. Now he's uh end of 2021. He's working for the Bitcoin magazine. So dudes. Never say never. Any of you can change your freaking lives, change your industry, and, and, and just get into this freaking golden age uh, that, that we're in right now. This is where the innovation is in, in Bitcoin. So uh, you, you're, you're living it. Okay, yeah. so my conclusionary remarks, were because someone did ask, you know, what kind of car did you buy, Adam? I bought a freaking uh, the cheapest possible new car that I could get my hands on because I just want to use it to drive across the country and stuff. Uh, it, it's a Nissan Versa, 2021 Nissan Versa it is black. Um, I tried to get a Kia at the Kia, Kia dealership. They tried to rip me off. I got to warn everyone out there right now. There are not many new cars at all. They, all the dealerships have the leverage. They will try to do crazy things to you. He, the guy at the Kia, Kia dealership, he thought he was being honest with me. He's like, we couldn't get you in the door if we put the real price up there. So he's basically saying, we couldn't get you in the door if we didn't lie to you. I mean, and yeah. they think they could get away and they can get away with it. He, they try to throw $6,000 of, of nonsense in there at the last moment. And they're all doing this, people. Okay. Now, again, where I got mine, where I got the Nissan Versa at, they were honest. I give them all the credit in the world. But they are they are running out of cars. Okay. Literally. My car was almost purchased the day, the, the night before, okay? But someone wanted a red one instead of the black one. My car was in the freaking showroom. There weren't cars left on the lots. So I don't want to I don't want to start a panic here, but this today people are going to be taking off of work for a week now. And some people are going to be trying to buy new cars and they don't know what they're getting into. And that's why the and we talked about the supply chain and everything and it's legitimate. You know, there are, there are no new cars getting in. It's very much benefiting these car dealerships, okay? Their, their used cars prices are going up by a lot. So they're, they're happy they're not getting the shipments of new cars. It, it, it's not a bad thing for them. Their salesmen are selling uh, the, the used cars for a lot of money. And the few new cars that trickle in, 
they're playing all sorts of nonsense games with you. So, yeah, Adam Meister. And so, again, I, I can say people will now say, well, why do you get a Versa? You say you're, you, you've been in Bitcoin for so long and you've never sold a Bitcoin. But well, believe what you want to believe. Uh, you, you got If you really know who Adam Meister is, you know why I don't buy a Lamborghini and everything like that. And when I talk about 2024 strong hand, what that really means. But um, it, it is weird uh, that, you know, obviously I, I'm, I'm doing very well for myself. And this having driving around in a Nissan Versa, people won't believe it. And that's awesome. It's awesome. Um, but, but at the same time, buying the Nissan Versa for, you know, the, the, whatever it was, $20,000. Um, I, I, it's just, my life has changed so much. It was like buying a chair. Yeah. That's the only way I could describe it guys. That's awesome. I'm, I'm proud. I'm really proud. It's like, and I, you know, I showed it to my nieces and everything. I said to one of my nieces, this is going to be yours one day. And, um, it's awesome, man. And I, yes. So don't worry, dudes. I will get a luxury car one day. Okay. I don't, I, I'm not driving a freaking Maserati around the United States of America. And to, to just remind everyone, I'm going to cities that you can't really fly into. So I already got my first two cities coming up, guys. Huntington, West Virginia. I will be going there the Monday after Thanksgiving. I'll be there for a week. And then I'm going to Bowling Green, Kentucky after that. I will be in the black freaking Nissan Versa. And if you, you know, you, you can say Adam must be really poor if he's driving a freaking Versa. Believe that. I want you guys to believe that, that you ignorant people who, who's, who can still state, say that uh, about me after all the, you clearly don't have the listening comprehension. Uh, if, if you really think that's true. Um, I, 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 did, I did really buy it. And it was, it was like buying a freaking chair. Uh, like, and it, it was just surreal talking to my mom about it. It's just, it's, it's like really weird um but anyway chris what were you gonna say there yeah it kind of takes me back to the interview uh so jeff bezos was being interviewed by cnbc or, or or something like that back in like the late 90s and amazon was really starting to go on its run and uh his net worth at the time was 2.1 billion and i'm not here to to talk about you know what your thoughts of jeff bezos are as an entrepreneur as a person as a leader whatever that is but they're asking he was driving this beaten up like 1970s or early 80s Honda. So the car is at least 20 years old or 18 years old. And they're like, Jeff, we looked up your net worth. You're worth a couple billion dollars. What are you doing this driving this car? And he starts laughing his maniacal Jeff Bezos laugh that everyone knows. And he's like, the car runs great. Why would I get a new car? And I think that that just goes to show that who's rich and who's wealthy. And the ones that are really, really wealthy, they know it doesn't matter because they have other assets or valuable things that they cherish a lot more than whatever car, vehicle, house, or boat that they have. Uh, obviously, he's upgraded a lot of his lifestyle since then. But I mean, it's just funny just to see even when he's worth multi-billions back then. You, you're so right what you just brought up there. This, is, this car is just a tool for me to get the things that I enjoy. And everyone knows I love traveling around, okay? So this is this is a, a tool. All it is is a tool to me that my nieces will get one day. <laughs> that's all that that's all it is. And it's it's a cool tool. It's I needed this tool because it's an, it is an attack vector. I always tell people that you know they, you, you have a house that's an attack a car is an attack vector. I'm going to have to pay insurance. Someone might try to gas Someone might try to key it if they don't like me or whatever. You know, there, there's things. But I need this tool to have to live my dreams. I need and my my dreams right now. What I value in life is 
I want to see what's really going on in this freaking country and tell you guys about it. Okay. And it was, I, I've seen a lot, you know, when I'm from the East coast, you're from the East coast too. There is such a horrible, sickening East coast bubble where all these people are depressed and sad now. And I have been, I love being outside of it, be it in Salt Lake city, be it in Florida, be it in Texas where I just was. And so many of the people are shocked when I report back, like, no, nobody gives a darn in Texas about this virus. Nobody gives a darn. Not nobody, but I mean, no, in Florida, you don't see it. I mean, people in, in New York and Baltimore are shocked about, about things like this. But so I can't wait to tell you what I see in freaking West Virginia. And uh, in West Virginia, it's got a horrible rap. I think, well, I, I'm going to tell you my theory on West Virginia later. The the the, the area that I'm going to for, for seven days, Huntington, uh, like like many uh, areas in West it, it's lost population over the last few years. And I want to see, I want to be able to see opportunity there, I think. And, and just, you know, see, see how people, this, the people there are so vilified in, in, in some of these States, in some of these blue States, I, I want to show you guys what's going on. And uh, someone said, and so I need a car. I need a car for that. I need it. And I'm not buying, I don't buy no used car. I'm not getting ripped off. Like, just like a, Bolt says, these poor shysters thinking they can hoodwink Adam Meister. Guess again. You are right. Even though even though I could have paid more for that freaking Kia, all right? It, whatever it would have been, 29000 27000 whatever it would have probably been. No, I was paying 20000 I want to pay 20000 for a new car. I don't want to pay no $27,000. That, that, so you're not hoodwinking me. And, and, and just the principle that they try to – Throw in six thousand dollars at the last. It was unbelievable. Well, so, so beware, new car buyers. Beware, and, and it's and yeah, we know that car dealerships have always had bad reputations. It's worse now. It's worse. They have the leverage. So be careful, people. Yeah. And and the, so value your wealth in Bitcoin. I I I feel bad for the people who can't who need a car for to get to work and stuff that yeah. are going to have to play this game. Uh, yeah. This, for, for me, it's just a chair. For me, it's just a tool. Um, but okay, Chris, your final thoughts? Yeah, so I'll, I'll just I'll wrap up on this uh, car thing. Uh, I know I looked at my car. So my car is a 2015 Honda. It's a reliable car, great car. I love it. Um, and I, I bought it in 2018, way back, back in the day. And I looked at the price. Uh, I know what I paid for it then, obviously. I looked at the price on Kelly Blue Book. Not that I'm looking to sell it. Not that I'm looking to upgrade. Just out of curiosity to 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 talk about the inflation and the cra craziness of used cars. It's worth more now in fiat terms than it was when I bought it. And that just goes to show if that you know something that everyone knows. You buy a car, you know, six thousand dollars walks off the lot, or you know whatever the the slogans or the history is. My car, I put sixty thousand miles on it, or forty thousand additional miles on it. And it's three years older and it's in, you know, worse condition just because of wear, normal wear and tear. And it's more valuable in fiat terms because of that. And it's not because the car is worth more. It's because our dollars are worth less. Obviously, I bought Bitcoin in 2018. It would be cheaper in sats, but I wasn't on a Bitcoin standard back then. But it's just upgrade your money, everyone. Change from fiat, uh, fun coupons, whatever your currency is to, uh, to Bitcoin. And I'm sure you'll be very happy. Uh, I'll tie that into one last point. Thanksgiving's coming up, a uh, holiday in America. I see a lot of people on from Europe or London area. But uh, they, a lot of the politicians nowadays are talking about how Thanksgiving is going to be more expensive this year and you might have to cut back on some of your sides or dishes. And it, it's sad. I know it impacts the poor and middle class the most, but there, someone put like turkey was like, I think $28 for an eight pound turkey or whatever. This year it's going to be $55 for an eight pound turkey. But then they showed in sats, it was going to be 80,000 sats in 2020. In 2021, 
or 20, yeah, 2021, it's going to only be 90,000 sats. So it's half the price in sats, but double the price in fiat. So just, you know, if you think of it like that. Yeah. And that's the way to think of it. Value your freaking wealth in Bitcoin. All right, dudes, that is the end of the show. Thanks a lot, everybody, for uh, the chat, for everything, for the guests, best freaking guests in space. Uh, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. It is, it is going to, Shabbat actually starts here in a few minutes uh, here in Baltimore. Uh, daylight savings, all that stuff. It's going to be back uh, with the family and uh, Thanksgiving should be interesting on Thursday. No doubt about it. And uh, everybody remember you get a, I'll be the, the, check out the archives. Follow me on Twitter, techball.com. I'm Adam Meister, Bitcoin Meister, Disrupt Meister. Subscribe to the channel, pound that like button. Everyone have a beautiful weekend. Again, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Thanks a lot, Chris. See you guys later. Thank you. Have All a right, good one, Adam. Have a good one, everyone. Uh,